Hey everyone, welcome to For Argument's Sake with Keaton and Chase. Before we dive in, let's go over what made two personal trainers want to start a podcast about arguing. All right, Chase, let's have you go ahead first and then I'll follow after you. All right, so uh, my intro to fitness was interesting because it started when... I mean, I would work out around age maybe 12 to 14, but, you know, it's mainly like getting ready for soccer or I'm trying to have some biceps for the girls, um, kind of the stuff that typically gets you into fitness. And I would go for maybe three months and hang out on the leg extension and then quit. But when I turned 15, at that point, um, as a child, I had been smoking weed and drinking since I was in like fifth grade. And finally, my mom caught me and my brother. Um, we got in trouble. We got put on probation. Um, I had legally been court-ordered that I couldn't skateboard anymore, which is what my uh, life was up until that point. And I couldn't hang out with any of the people that I was hanging out with at that time. So I had a big readjustment period. And because of that, um, I was looking a little bit for an identity. And I had uh, some friends ask me to go work out with them to get ready for the next year's like football season and i was like whatever anything to do to get out of the house at this point um and so went out started kind of working out with these guys and we i mean they didn't know what they were doing but they knew more than i did which was you know a great start but we would start out with doing like chest shoulders and back and we would sit it and stay in the gym for five hours because we would text like in between every set and it became something that was a lot of fun for me but by the time uh three or four months later had rolled around both the two kids that I had started working out with um, started doing other things. And so I ended up going by myself the whole summer. Um, and I would wake up around 10 and I would eat and then I would go work out. And I was still there for way too long, you know, three to five hours. I really prided myself on that. And at that point, I kind of was hooked. And uh, I just would research. At that time, I was kind of on the uh, crusp or crisp of or the edge of any ways basically like the end of magazine information and the internet was fitness information. And so I would read magazines that were at the gym. I was on uh, muscle and fitness magazines. I'd go to Walmart and sit on the ground and read them for hours, uh, trying to figure out what little thing I could do to either get my bicep that peak or what eating protocol I needed and all honestly a lot of useless information but it was new information to me so I started just devouring it and I would stay up late on YouTube watching hours of you know how to stretch this do this um and it really helped me build a lot of self-esteem that I hadn't had at all in my life up until that point and so by the time I'm 16 or 17 I've actually gotten some uh some strength gains and um at this point I think I was a sophomore in high school and I could squat 315 with atrocious form. But, I mean, my depth was better than some I've seen still. But it wasn't great. I don't I don't like to own that. But that happened. So I was, like, decently strong. And I was doing things. I used to pride myself on, like, super hard leg days. Um, anyways, I just kept doing the fitness thing. Kept trying to learn more about it. Um, turned 18. Graduated. Still just going to the gym every single day. At some point, it's, like, 60, 75 days in a row. Just because I didn't think days off mattered. And... As I got toward, moved out, moved to uh, southern Utah and started working at a hotel and I was trying to work on getting my first cert, which was NASM. And while doing all of that um, is when I really started to have a change in my training philosophy. 
to go because my mindset up to that point was like over training and trying to push my body as far as my mind could go and really doing like I would do things called iron marathons which were like 210 reps of bench press in a set session I would do squats up to like 265 and drop set them down 25 pounds until I would drop on the ground and obviously I, I and I did a really good cut around this point in time uh the heaviest I could bulk at the time was 195 and with this little bit of information I had, I was able to kind of pull some things together that I was semi, I was smart with nutrition anyways. I was good at like counting macros and understanding that, but training knowledge, it took me a bit longer. Anyways, I get uh, my NASM cert after about a year. And at that point, no one was hiring in uh, Southern Utah for trainers that I could find. And long story short, after moving back around, ended up getting a job in Southern Utah, uh, funnily enough, at Vasa, which is actually where I met old Keaton boy. That's right best day of your uh, life it was you were the best manager to come through there in a long time I didn't that much. <laughs> quick question before oh. you move on though is yeah 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 what were you looking to accomplish with being a personal trainer like what were your sights set on so uh my mindset i remember when i, I didn't even really think a personal trainer was a job until i mean when i was 16 or 17 i had a friend talk about it and i was like you know what that makes a lot of sense for me because i felt like there was uh I felt like I wasn't good at a lot of things. I didn't feel very uh, intelligent. But when it came to working out in the gym, I, I felt like I really did have like a very good base of knowledge. And one of my uh, values in life, even though I didn't know it at the time, was helping people. And so that was just the uh, form in which I wanted to do that. And it just it just seemed right because it was something I was so passionate about. And it just made sense for me. Okay. And so I just pursued the uh pretty much the shit out of that and obviously once you get into training everything changes and you understand like how much more i mean i got i was a personal trainer like 18 or 19 and i can tell you right now i did not have the emotional depth that it takes to be a good trainer at that time because that's like 80 percent of the job oh yeah people are surprised how much you have to work with your clients mentally and emotionally not just physically mm -hmm. That's most of it. You know, you can fix form and stuff, but most people are looking to see composition change. That's a, that's all emotion because diet is so you know tied into that. But that's a whole other that's a whole other episode. Yeah. But um, anyways, started training there. I was atrocious at first. Um, if any of those clients from the first two and a half years um want their money back, I don't have it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> we did some good things in there, but all around you're just atrocious. Um. At least that's how I feel looking back. And then, you know, trained there. I worked on getting more certs at that point. I uh, I went from just having NASM to CFSC, 1, 2, HKC, FMS, um, correctives. I've trained over, you know, probably closer to 30,000 hours at this point, but I'm over 20, I know for sure. Um, tons of seminars and all kinds of reading that you know the research never stops when you're in this because honestly once you get in it you realize how much of a black hole of information it is um and then keaton decided to follow through on the dream and leave me and actually we both know i moved up north first and then you came and then you went yeah you north. sealed the deal i was i did seal yeah, the i was deal. debating on whether i moved from st george or not and then of course you left so then i went back up north and that just goes to show that I was the linchpin. <laughs> You're... Um, I held it all together. That's right. That's right. Um, 
and now uh, we're I'm in Salt Lake anyways, and I still am training. Um, at this point, I now have a WBFF uh, Pro under my belt. Um, I've had some other people I've trained up to um, win in competitions, comp uh, yeah, comp physique competitions. Um, I myself have pulled, you know, 545 at like probably sub 200 pounds, which isn't that impressive by some standards, but it's reasonable. Um, I've trained strength athletes. I've done rehab stuff. I've done, you know, water training uh, for rehab. And I have just about seen it all, even though I, there's still shit that comes in that I'm like, I don't even, I got to hop on Google and do a couple of days, like researching to figure out stuff. And, you know, we're still just grinding out here. What about you, Keaton? What's the, the story like for you? Where'd you start? I actually don't know how you started. Yeah, I haven't talked to too many people about my story of being a personal trainer. And I feel like unlike most people, I don't ever remember wanting to be a personal trainer. I feel like I fell into the profession a little bit more. So junior high, high school, all up to college, played football, um, and my body always hurt. Um, I don't think I really took that into consideration of what I was going to do career-wise, but I did have a plan of being a physical therapist for as long as I can remember. So during college, did my internships at a physical therapy office where – I worked with like a company, um, won't say the name because I'm not going to go into too many good things that happened with them. But as an intern, I basically would be there and the physical therapist would get a client in. They'd go into this little room that had like a massage bed um, and the physical therapist would do the assessment on them for about five, 10 minutes. Client came out and they gave them to me, an intern who legally shouldn't even be working with these clients. Like, what was I going to do if something bad happened or um, it's something I'll dive into a little bit more, like they're doing things wrong. So I would take them and one of the offices I was at was attached to a Gold's gym. So we'd walk them down this hall. I go in there, put them on like the stationary bike. They'd ride for five, 10 minutes. All right, let's go to leg press, single leg, leg press. Let's do some leg extensions. Let's do some hip mm -hmm. abduction. All right, let's go back. Let's stem heat ice. All right, have a good one physical therapist would check in on him last second and send him on their way. And it just repeated time in and time again. And I started realizing after being an intern for over a year with physical therapy, that this was not the setting I wanted to do, you know, and it, it's just my experience. Like I've seen physical therapists now who are way more involved with their clients, but my experience was physical therapists are not involved with their clients the way I want to be involved with clients. I want to be able to, if they're doing a leg press and their knee is, you know, going valgus when they're pressing or anything like that, I want to be able to fix that. I want to be able to help them engage their glutes more, whatever it may be. And that just wasn't what I wanted to do. So through now thinking what I want to do and going in and out, I trained with this athletic performance where I just worked with the little kids um, for a little bit. I went was a personal trainer at Gold's Gym, which like Chase said, the few clients I had there, I apologize to because <laughs> it was, you know, it was, again, we did machines. We, you know, I don't remember ever trying to teach someone to squat because I was just like, shoot, these people can't. The, Go ahead. What was the worst thing that you had a client do that first year or two? <laughs> you know, I don't, luckily I've never injured anybody with over six years of training. I've never injured a single client. Thank goodness. But Oh, I would just say it's probably some of that just the dumb 
BOSU stuff where you're like, all right, balance this and bicep curl. And you really think you're accomplishing something, but you look, you look, yeah, you know, we, we've all done, we've all (laughs) sinned in our lives. And luckily I came to repentance (laughs) for your BOSU sins. Oh yeah, man. So um, with Gold's Gym, I was training there for a while plus doing this athletic performance thing. But my passion's always been rehab. Like, I've never dove too much into the bodybuilding realm. I've never pushed to train athletes too much or strongman or whatever it may be. I've always gravitated towards rehab, prehab type stuff. So I was at Gold's Gym. I had ended up becoming their like PT manager, which was a little bit more of a sales job than it was a training job, but it had guaranteed money involved and one of my friends was working at vasa and up north vasa was still not very big like they had their ogden location um and bountiful like that was it and one of my friends working at bountiful location and Layton was being built and so i called and you know applied for that went in did the interview and i look at that interview and i just remember them going okay this client doesn't have shoulder mobility to do overhead press, what are you going to do? And my response was side raises. And so, <laughs> so I look back and go, man, the odd thing is, is that's probably a lot of people's answer still, but just the, you know, mistakes I made back in the day and, you know, what would have probably hurt somebody if I didn't continue to educate myself on training. And I say that, you know, side raises and there's probably a lot of people who are like, what's wrong with that? But you look into the anatomy and everything and you start to really see what that's causing if someone has rotator cuff issues or an impingement in their shoulder or labrum issues, whatever it may be. So started on with Vasa in Layton, Utah, and within six months, so four months in, I accepted the position to go down to St. George where Chase was at to be what is at the time called the head trainer which the role you got to personal train, but you were more of running the business and helping educate the trainers at that location and helping them become better and not just education and you should do this for clients and how you should be training, but also, hey, this is how you sell. This is how you retain clients. This is, you know, all that whole broad spectrum of training people. And so I took that and actually moved down there two months later. So at six months of being a Vasa, I was now this head trainer position. Went down to St. George, did that for a year. And then my location opened up and was built. And the guy who was there who actually hired me at the Layton um, gym moved up. He got promoted. So I took the opportunity after Chase left. That was the whole reason I moved up there to take that Clinton location and ran that one for a year and then took a position to come out in Arizona with one of the Phoenix locations and took over a gym that was didn't have a head trainer um, now it's called a fitness team lead Um, so they were struggling numbers wise so I was given a month to go in there and just turn that place around which luckily wasn't hard to do it just took a little bit of redirecting and then opened my first Vasa in the other Phoenix location. And now we've been doing that through quarantine and COVID and all that fun stuff. But, uh, and that's another story on its own, but my focus has always been corrective. Um, Chase went on his certification. So I started with 
NASM and did their correctives and their weight loss and their general fitness and did all of their little certifications and then got certified functional strength coach, functional mobility screen, hard kettlebell certification. So got all those original strength. Then I moved on to like muscle activation systems. Um, just got my precision nutrition. A lot of, you know, just like I feel any job is all that paperwork you have doesn't do anything until you can actually sit there and apply it. And so I'm not one to talk about certifications. You know, you've had, you've heard Nick Remy say alphabet soup many times. I'm the last person to bring up certifications. And so, you know, I just feel it comes down to how can I actually help the client? How can I get them from point A to point B? And that's part of a big reason, you know, leading to why we want to do this podcast is, you know, I want to tell a story of a client. I literally a week ago just put him through a free workout and was able to get them as a new client is she came in and she was like, Hey, I'm just going from gym to gym, seeing what the cost is of personal training programs and seeing if I can get a free workout. Cause I want to see what trainer is going to help me the most. And so, you know, showed her everything set up a time. It was a Thursday morning where she ended up coming in and do her in body, do some mobility testing. Her shoulder mobility is fine. Her hip mobility is fine. Um, but we find that and I go to do overhead squat assessment off of FMS and mm -hmm. it's atrocious. Like the PVC pipe that I'm using cause I don't have an FMS kit in this location is just way over her head, like out to like in front of her toes. Ooh. She doesn't let her knees go forward at all. Her hips just shoot straight back. Not a good looking squat. And so my comment because in my mind, I'm going, okay, um, she may just think that she can't go knees over toes. So I go, hey, it's okay to allow your knees to go over your toes unless it brings pain. And at that point, at that point, we need to look at other things. And so she goes, oh, I went and did like five or six other free sessions with other trainers. And every single one of them told me not to let my knees go over my toes. And if you saw me at that point... Uh it took everything I had not to just oh. lose it because who, That's a pet peeve. who are these people telling this girl that she, I mean, sit down on a chair. If you disagree with me while you're listening to this, sit down on a chair and tell me if your knees don't go over your toes, sit down on the toilet, you know, whatever it is, but your knees are going to go past your toes. It's the ability not to let your knees go past your toes. That's the problem. So I test her ankle mobility and her ankle mobility is horrible. She's got really tight, um, soleus. And so we foam roll it, we loosen it up, we do some stretches, we do some banded mobilization on her ankle, retest. And I see that her knees are caving in a little bit, but her knees are now able to go over toes. It looks better. So my next move is to band um, right below her knees so she can get more glute activation and raise her heels still because her ankle mobility isn't where it needs to be yet. And instantly, you know, it's a perfect squat. And so I'm trying to tell her that it's not about avoiding you can or you can't. It's about what do we need to do to get you to perform this task. And so, you know, luckily she went through that. I was like, wow, I, every single other client or trainer just put me on machines and did tricep extensions. And, you know, and that took a good 35, 40 minutes. So I hurry and did like a quick round of goblet squat, counterweight goblet squats and um, kettlebell deadlifts and TRX row and then like, mixed in like the assault bike and we did one round and she goes that was way harder than any session i've been in and most of it was just education based so it just comes down to 
and why I love training and why I want to start this podcast is there's so much wrong information out there. And luckily I've been through school, through personal training, through athletic performance at different locations and then coming into Vasa and learning their system and then the system going away and having to learn my own things. And, you know, it's kind of built me as a trainer I am now. And I feel like I'm able to help a lot of people on a day-to-day basis, but I feel I can reach more this way too. So. Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, I don't know. I feel like being a personal trainer is, it's a very rewarding job. But, you know, if I train 10 people in one day um, and they're all new people, most of that is you gaining trust in that or that person gaining trust in you while you tell them that everything that they've been told by other trainers is just absolute garbage. Yes. And unfortunately, the, the low barrier, the low cost of entry into personal training allows a lot of shenanigans in. Yeah. And not even just personal trainers. Like this is something else we'll be able to dive in at one point is it's the only field I've ever been in where the person who looks, you know, and acts like they know the least thinks they knows they know the most. I can approach somebody with horrendous form, you know, and nicely and let them know what they need to change. And it's like, Oh no, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. I saw it on YouTube or I saw it on Instagram and Oh my gosh. It's the only industry I've ever been in where you can know absolutely nothing but know everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. I have this quote that I use a lot in the gym and it's, or around the gym and gym people that being hot is not a skill. Because oh. too many people act like they like if you were born just attractive, which happens and you go to the gym and it like you you might work out a little bit and all of a sudden you got a little muscle tone and you have kind of figured things out that does not mean that you should give out like advice like if you're looking at people and you just see some girl or some guy that looks like you want to look you need to understand that like there is some crazy genetics there is drugs involved there is photoshop involved like i've i've always laughed cuz it's honestly it, Sometimes it's not, but most times I feel like the fat trainers are the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking real themselves and enjoying their food too. Yeah, exactly. They they don't have anything to impress. They're not insecure. So I do. That, like that is a whole other episode. But oh, that brings in a Jim Gaffigan joke where he goes, you know, you go to the gym and you've got the fat trainer trying to tell you to do. And they go, "This is my favorite machine, the vending machine," and it just <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard every time I hear that. And Jim Gaffey. <laughs> I, he has another joke. It's the same thing where he has a guy that's really jacked showing up him around the gym. He's like, what are you doing here? You're done. <laughs> You've won. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're done. You've already done it. That's funny. That is really Heck yeah. You want to tell him about the next episode we got coming? Yeah. So next episode, we're going to start going over mainly highly debated topics. And we figured what better one to do than keto. The ketogenic diet. Uh, a lot of people we know follow that, whether they should or whether they shouldn't. Um, their information on what it does for their body, they definitely need a little revamp of what it actually does. So we're actually going to have um, one of my former trainers at the same St. George location, Jeremy, who, um, Chase, you probably know more of where he's at since you're closer to him now. Have him come be a guest, and if you'll tell him, tell him about what Jeremy does and why he'll be a good guest for us on that show. Um, Jeremy is a lifelong curious person. 
that's the best way to describe him. He's currently working his way. Uh, um, I think he's about to start. He wants to start working on his uh, physical therapy degree. Um, and he really likes to play outside the lines and he tries everything. So the reason we want to bring him in for keto is that he really likes the uh, keto low carb world. Um, has a really good sense for all sides of it, you know, downsides, upsides, and has done a ton of research. He does have a bachelor's degree in exercise science as well. Um, currently, he trains at Lifetime, and um, he's actually, he was, I don't know if he still is, but he was the educational director for Lifetime. He basically, every week, it was his job to um, grab information and actually give uh, presentations on different information. So he's just a really real, well-rounded um, and we're going to get into all kinds of things about keto, whether it's um, cross-country, weight training, weight loss, uh, fat loss, two different things. And we're going to kind of hit all sides of that. Um, and it'll be a good time. And we're going to just argue and be angry. And then we're probably going to get a keto meal together. Yeah, this is the only time you're going to hear us not argue. So get ready. Yeah. Thanks for listening and getting to know a little bit more about us. Tune in to For Argument's Sake with Keaton and Chase next time where we go over the ketogenic diet. Is it something you should be doing or is it something you should be staying away from? Tune in and figure out for yourself. Hey, and don't forget to follow us on our Instagram accounts. For argument's sake, that's for underscore arguments underscore sake. Keaton the Beacon, that's Keaton underscore the Beacon. And Chase Hernandez.